going to open our Bibles today um, to Romans chapter 6. If you've got a Bible along with you. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we're super excited that you decided to come in out of the beautiful day that's outside there and uh, spend some time with us. As we get started, I'm going to tell you, this has been an unbelievably heartbreaking week here at Christ the King Church. Um, When I run out of tears, it's been a really, really bad week. And those of you who know me know how that goes. The reason it's been heartbreaking is because of a young man Uh, whose name was Woody Moore, who passed away on Tuesday morning from a cardiopulmonary embolism. Woody was 21, and he was a big part of this church family. Woody was a friend of many. He was an influential leader within our Ecclesia community. He was a confidant and a deep conversationalist with anybody who just needed a kind ear. He was a bringer of laughter everywhere he went. He was a roommate and a brother to a group of exceptional young men who live in a house called the Ark. But to me personally, Woody was the young man who came to our house on Monday nights to eat and to laugh and to share life together. It's like an adopted son. Woody loved Jesus more than anything. And his passing is kind of a tragedy that many of us today, we're just trying to wrap our head and our heart around this great big hole that he has left when he left us on Tuesday. One of the things I loved about Woody was his insatiable curiosity. Woody had a standing question with me. It was always, uh, hey Grant, what's up with that? Just what's up with that? He would come with questions about theology, about relationships, about church. He would question the color of my shirt, which was unbelievably ironic because he was colorblind, you know? He's like, what's up with that? I'm like, it's not pink, it's salmon, all right? Just so we're clear, all right? But I love the fact that Woody was wanting to know. Like, just explain it to me. What, why is that that way? And I think that's a good question at any time about anything, especially acknowledging the fact that everybody in this room has a certain set of assumptions about how life is supposed to be done. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but what's normal to you may not be normal to anybody else who hasn't grown up with that being their normal. I mean, I, I grew up in church. I have the therapy bills to prove it, you know? And so I grew up in a place where the sacraments were normal to me. But what I love about Christ the King is it's a, a place where we're not afraid to answer Woody's question. What's up with that? Like, just what's up with that? And we're going to do something this morning that would maybe somewhat normative for those of us who've grown up in the church. But, but I want to make sure everybody understands what's up with that. Because if you grew up outside of a Christian context, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you grew up outside, you may need some explanation. I've got a friend who has no Christian context at all. He's come on several different occasions. We actually met at the Woods Coffee Shop just down the road here. One weekend he came here when we were serving communion. We did, that's very normal around here. We serve communion to everybody. And then he and I got together the next week and he started asking questions. I mean, have you ever thought about what communion looks like from somebody who has a different perspective, you know, than, than, than you do? I mean, because his question I thought was awesome. He's like, so I was there on the weekend. What's with the cracker in the shot glass? <laughs> that's a great question, Right. He thought that was the worst snack he had ever seen served in the history of mankind, right? He asked the question, so I explained it to him. I explained the symbolism. I explained the biblical roots to it. 
And it wasn't like somebody was smarter than somebody else in, in, in the conversation. Because just a little while later, I mean, he's a big computers technology guy. And I you know, handed him my phone at one point and I ended up asking him the question, what's up with that? How do I fix this, right? I had a question about prayer a few weeks ago. Now, if you hang around here for any long period of time, you'll find out that prayer is quite normal, right? I pray a lot. Not because I'm holy, but because I need that much help, all right? That's how it works. And this guy shows up and he's just like, he goes, what's up with the way you guys pray Christ the King? Like, like you guys pray like God's actually there. Because <laughs> we believe he's actually here. That's why, right? And he was like, what's up with that? I mean, that's a great question. Nothing. That's a good question. So I had an opportunity to share with him the omnipresence of God. And then he was able to share with me, because he's a mechanic, you know, why my kid's engine light keeps going on and off all the time. This weekend's all about baptism. And I don't want anyone to walk out of Christ the King asking Woody's question. I'd like to answer Woody's question. Because if he was here, he'd probably say, what's up with that? What's up with that? I mean, let's be honest. What you're going to observe in the next couple of minutes could lead you to the conclusion that in order to show your devotion to Jesus, the church throws a pool party, but you only get to go into the pool and go up and down one time, and then you got to get out and you need someone to help you. Okay, now all of that is true, but let's just walk through what exactly baptism is. Let me just give it to you, all right? Number one, baptism is a sacrament. Jesus told his followers to follow specific instructions. And when we do them, when we follow those instructions, it becomes sacred and holy because they were instituted by God. We're baptizing today because if you were listening earlier in this series called The Last... A part of the last words of Jesus were when he instructed his people, go into all the world and baptize, okay? So we're baptizing to be obedient. And the people who are going to get baptized are being obedient because Jesus kept saying over and over again, repent and be baptized. So this is a God thing. It's a holy sacrament, baptism, communion, prayer for the sick. These are all deeply meaningful moments of dependence and obedience. Number two, baptism is an act of worship. So we all came to worship God today. And we've been worshiping him already through, through singing and through prayer and through raising our hands in dependence and giving and hearing the word of God and then actually obeying it. And for some this morning, a group of very select people who are watching in the back right now, hi, baptism people, can't wait to see you in just a second, but they've come here to worship God through publicly declaring their worship through baptism. And the reason baptism is worship is because it declares to the world around them that they are fully dependent, fully fixated, and following, fully following Jesus as Lord, God, and King. Can I get an amen from the 1115? I mean, that's what they're doing. They want to preach a message to you. This is not the best message of the morning. Probably the worst message of the morning. The best message of the morning is going to happen in a few minutes when people come out and say, I am not ashamed of Jesus. He was not ashamed of me. I'm identifying with his death and going under the water. I'm identifying with his resurrection coming back up out of the water. And I'm celebrating new life today because my life has been forever changed. That's what they're celebrating. Number three, baptism is an act of dependence. Jesus left specific instructions for his followers to continue to participate in a way of declaring their complete dependence on him. Now, let's be honest. In this country, we don't celebrate dependence. We celebrate independence. It's my way. It's my wallet. It's my calendar. It's my schedule. It's my job. It's my house. It's my car. It's all mine. And God says, that's not the way I roll. 
I will never celebrate your independence. I will only celebrate your dependence on me. And that's what we are celebrating. Baptism reminds us we can't save ourselves. You know why? Because you may think you're good, but let me be bold. Your good and my good are not good enough. Not good enough. I know that sounds kind of gutsy, but that's what scripture tells us. The apostle Paul lays it out for us this way in Romans chapter 6. The Bible says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. There's a little Greek phrase there, meganoita, literally translated, may it never be. May we never cheapen the grace of God by continuing to sin. Verse 2, we are those who've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus we're baptized into his death. So when you see people going under the water, they're symbolizing, they're identifying with the death of Christ just as he was buried because he died on the cross to save us from our sin. Verse four, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. Here's the issue with Jesus. He died, but he didn't stay dead. So we don't put people under the water and leave them there. We bring them back up out of the water because we're celebrating resurrection power in their new life. Verse 5, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. One thing all of us have in common today, we all have a sin nature. When God made me, he gave me genetic traits that were passed down from my parents. I like to give my dad a hard time and say I got my good looks from my mom and my cholesterol from my father. Thank you very much, Ernie, all right? And as a human being, I also got something passed down to me that we all share in common. It's a sin nature. Now, we could spend time just blame shifting and saying it's all Adam and Eve's fault. You know, they, they messed it up in the beginning and that's why I've got a sin nature. The reality is every one of us has a sin nature. Deal with it, okay? If you don't believe I have a sin nature, Give me 10 minutes or ask my wife and I will prove to you I have a sin nature. You don't think you have a sin nature? I'll give you about 10 minutes in a deep relationship and you're going to prove to everybody in the room that you've got a sin nature too, all right? God knew we couldn't deal with our sin nature in our own strength, so he sent Jesus to deal with it for us. That's the gift of salvation. God sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die as a sacrifice on the cross, to pay the debt of my sin nature. We can't pay the debt of sin on our own for one reason. Our good is just not good enough. Not good enough. So God lays it out in Scripture all the way through the Bible. You can't fix yourself, but He can. When you come to that moment, when you acknowledge you can't fix your sin problem, that you need help, that you're willing to submit your life to Jesus and ask for his help, that's the moment of salvation that we celebrated with hundreds of people on Easter just a few weeks ago. It's the moment of salvation. But then there comes a time when you've got to go public with that decision. And in the moment you enter into the water, you're showing, you're preaching a message. And the message is this. Baptism is an external act of internal submission. Okay, baptism preaches a message. I can't save myself. Only God can save me. 
You know, the reality is one thing that holds people back from actually getting, from actually getting uh, baptized is the fact that they're afraid, well, what happens if I sin after that? Can I tell you something? In fact, can I guarantee you something? You will sin after that. Welcome to being a human being, right? But in that moment, you're saying, I want God to fully submerge my old nature. I want to make myself, I want to make myself fully available to him to press out of me all of that old, ugly, gross stuff and raise me up as a new creation into new life. I mean, the reality is this. Some of these people may actually sin while they're still in the tank. I mean, if we hold them down too long, they're going to be thinking bad thoughts about the people that are above the waterline, right? I mean, that's the way it works. But we come back to Romans chapter 6. Should we keep on sinning so that grace can abound? Absolutely not. You will fail after you get baptized. And what happens then? We come back to God. We confess with our mouth. We repent. And then we turn 180 degrees and walk in the opposite direction. And in that moment, we receive mercy for our soul. The Greek word for baptism is baptizo. And I used to kind of giggle because, you know, people will define it. They say it just means to be placed underneath of the water, okay? That's the very generic, nice definition. Can I tell you the real definition of baptizo? Drowning. Now, we don't normally say that on baptism weekends for good reason, right? I'm going to drown you. This is how it's going to roll, right? But that's what it means. That's what it means. It means we're taking our old nature and saying, God, I want you to drown this old part of me. Martin Luther said, when I came to Christ, I thought I had drowned the old man in me only to find out the rascal could swim. <laughs> Baptism declares, I want to worship Jesus by allowing him to drown my old sin nature and to raise me into a new life that begins because of Jesus, because he died and rose again. You'll notice something. We baptize in community. The people in the tank are there to help, and that's not just coincidental. We baptize in community because we all need help in this process of allowing God to drown the old man in me. Anybody else notice that that drowning takes time? That old nature will come back, and we have to continue to work in that process of, of us decreasing and him increasing. Well, we do it in community. I don't know very many people who have strong enough abs to stand in a tank of water, throw themselves backwards, and then pull themselves back up again in the exact same way they went down. So we put people beside them to symbolize, no, we're going to do this together. We all together need help burying that old man and then allowing Jesus to bring us back to new life. Let's just add one more piece. Baptism is a public announcement that I'm not ashamed of Jesus. Some of you had the opportunity, and I had the high privilege of, of going to Israel with you this past year. I'd love to show you a picture of the, of the Jordan River. This was a public place where many people, thousands of people over the years have been baptized. You know, when a certain, uh, or so when a first century follower of Jesus was baptized, they would go down to this little river. Where actually, the picture is taken on the Israel side of the river, looking into the country of Jordan. They would often come as a way of declaring their, their devotion to Jesus Christ. And, and their baptism services would have been a little different than ours. You see, when we have someone go out under the water and come back up into new life as a church, we celebrate. 
We clap, we shout, we hug people. I mean, it's a celebration of new life. When a first century believer was baptized, it was a life and death moment. Their community would come to see what was going on. They would stand on the banks and they would not celebrate because they believed that that person was forsaking all of their religious upbringing. This was life and death for these people. Their families would come to see who is choosing to betray, who is going to follow in this little, this little group called the way, who is going to actually follow this itinerant Jewish rabbi about whom there were all of these rumors flying around that he had been crucified, but that now he was living again. And the people that were baptized knew when they came back up out of the water, yes, they were new in Jesus, but they were going to be cut off, shunned, ridiculed, and persecuted. Here's what I loved. They were willing to do it anyway. Because they would rather be a fool in the eyes of a man than a fool in the eyes of God. So they chose to be obedient. In spite of the cost over history, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians have made their public declaration, I am not ashamed of Jesus. They want to shout to the world, he saved me. He saved me out of my sin. So now I'm dead to my old way of life because of Jesus, and I'm raised to new life because of Jesus. Some of you may be curious because you're going to see a little conversation happen with each person. Can I just allow you to eavesdrop on that moment? The pastors or the people that are in the tank are, are all people that have had a significant role in this person's life coming to faith. That's why I think it should be the goal of every single person in this room at some point to be able to baptize another believer. Because that's actual discipleship. But the little conversation basically goes like this. The pastor will ask, do you love Jesus and do you want to make that public today? And they will say yes, and then the pastor will respond. Then upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. At that moment, that's not just a hot tub. It's a sacred place where the God of the universe comes and touches that person in a way that they can come back to year after year after year to say, that was a moment when I went public with Jesus. So in just a few moments, we're actually going to do what we have been preaching about. And we've got a pack of people, they've been hanging backstage this whole time. They're very excited, and I want to have an opportunity to be able to pray with them and over them. Before we do that, I'd like to celebrate a baptism that actually happened on Thursday. You know, here at Christ the King, we are not purpose-driven. We, we are accident-driven. We do everything out of order, upside down. I mean, that's just kind of the way it rolls around here. Our nickname's Crisis the King. I love that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But we were able to facilitate a special baptism because we just needed a little bit more time. I'd like to show you a picture of it. So this is Don's baptism from the weekend. Uh, Don has Parkinson's disease. And he struggles to speak. So when we asked him if he wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name, we got a thumbs up, which was enough for us. And his family came and surrounded him. And he so desperately wanted to go public with his baptism that we made special arrangements just to be able to celebrate that moment. And his family was here to celebrate it with him, and some of our staff was here to celebrate with him. But I didn't want you to not get a chance to celebrate it with him. So church, would you join me in just celebrating what happened with Dawn on <laughs> Thursday afternoon?
And now you're going to get a chance to come to a scriptural holy pool party. Would you join me in praying as we close? God, thank you for this moment. A holy, sacred moment. When you're going to redirect the path, the eternal path of some of our brothers and sisters. Thank you for each one of them and pray in Jesus' name that this moment would be so cemented in their heart. God, thank you for a very special man who left an indelible mark on the soul of my family and so many others in this room today. Lord, I thank you for the blessed hope that right now in this moment, Woody is surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses and that each one of them are celebrating what is happening here today. I thank you that there is so much joy there because everything has been made known and it's perfect. Every tear has been wiped away. There's no more pain. And I thank you, God, that they are celebrating with us the transforming power of Jesus. So God, thank you for loaning Woody to us for 21 years. Thank you that he's safe with you. And today as we baptize, I thank you that his celebration joins ours. So God, into this holy moment, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come? May our worship be sweet and our celebration be profound as we follow your instruction and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said,